0: One of the biggest questions that people have is, if there's a loving God, why is there so much
1: death and suffering in the world? Stick around today to find out on Creation Magazine LIVE!
0: God's Word, the Bible, is an accurate account of creation and it tells us how people can have a relationship with the Creator. Honouring God and explaining aspects of His Word is the focus of this podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine LIVE! I'm Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. On today's program we're going to talk about why there's death and suffering in the world. It's a right. huge question, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's... It, it, it's Christians struggle with this as well, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and part of the struggle comes from, well, if God created over millions of years, we look at the fossil record, there's all kinds of bad stuff in the fossil record. Animals ripping each other up, and death and disease, and even cancer, things like that. Right. Did God use that to create? And God called that very good? Right. H- how do we understand Death and suffering.
1: Right. Did God create the world with bad things in it? Yes. You know, without a historical genesis, it's very difficult to have a, a proper answer to that question. And of course many skeptics have picked up on this, and, and uh, you know, a very famous uh, skeptic would be uh, Sir David Attenborough. Many people will have seen his, uh, his programs on TV, beautiful yeah, wildlife, nature program, and, sure, yep. and nature just spectacular. But of course he's been asked by, by Christians, creation, you know, creationists too, well look at all these, these beautiful things you show. Why don't you give glory to God? And he's said things like this. When creationists ask, uh, talk about God creating every individual species as a separate act, they always instance hummingbirds or orchids, sunflowers and beautiful things. But I tend to think instead of a parasitic worm that's boring through the eye of a boy sitting on the bank of the river in West Africa. A worm that's going to make him blind. Are you telling me that the God you believe in, who you say is an all-merciful God, are you saying that God created this worm that can live in no other way than in an innocent child's eyeball? Because that, that, that doesn't seem to coincide with a God who is full of mercy. Well, you can see his point. right? If you right. believe that yeah. God used evolution in millions of years, and God created things uh, specifically with, with, with bad things present, uh, either yeah. either one of those scenarios, whether God created bad things immediately, or whether they happened over millions of years. Yeah, and then
0: the, the problem that he lays out here in this quote is a legitimate problem, It is if you believe in millions of years. Exactly. And, so yeah. and there's other skeptics, there's other uh, folks outside of Christianity that have uh, said this as well. For example, Bertrand Russell, in his uh, series of essays, Why I'm Not a Christian, yeah. he said this, When you come to look into this argument from design, it is most astonishing, it is a most astonishing thing that people believe that this world, with all of the things that are in it, with all of its defects, should be the best that omnipotence and omniscience have been able to produce in millions of years. I really cannot believe it.
1: So you see what he said said there. Well, God created the things in millions of years. See that see that link there yes. again. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Jacques Monod in an interview with a Christian who uh, was a theistic evolutionist. So the Christian believes in evolution, and uh, and Monod said, well, you know, I really don't have a scientific problem with you if you want to believe God used evolution, but he said this. He had a moral one. Uh, the struggle for life and the elimination of the weakest is a horrible process. I'm surprised that a Christian would defend the idea that this is the process which God more or less set up in order to have evolution. So right? he sees the problem as well. Right, we, we've got death yes. and struggle and, and one thing wiping out another, where in all morality and ethics that we aspire to, we're saying no, we want to protect people and prevent and suffering. Yes, you protect the weak and, and, and you
0: deal with disease right. and cure disease and so on. So he, very, he, he was an atheist. But he sees yes, the problem very yes. clearly. Here's another one, Carl Sagan, that'll be a famous name to, uh, to many viewers, he said this, If God is omnipotent and omniscient, why didn't He start the universe out in the first place so it would come out the way that He wants? Why is He constantly repairing and complaining? No, there's one thing the Bible makes clear. The biblical God is a sloppy manufacturer. He's not good at design, He's not good at execution, He'd be out of business if there was any competition. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah. They're serious words. But again, he he's believes in millions of years, obviously, as a fact, yeah. and then he's trying to get in Christian theology and think, what are these Christians talking about? if right. God, God used this,
1: this process, he can't be the God that they're talking about. Right. And you'll notice these quotes have gone you know, from, from quite a long time, ago, almost 100 years ago, and now we'll, we'll come up to 1999. This is uh, Irvin DeVore, a Harvard University anthropologist, and so fairly modern quote. He said, I personally ca- cannot discern a shred of evidence for a benign cosmic presence. I look at evolution and I see indifference and capriciousness. What kind of god works with a 99.9% extinction rate? So all throughout, yes. you know, basically since Darwin Darwinism has been popularized, skeptics have looked at this and gone, "Listen, this doesn't make sense." Yes. Millions yeah. of years, evolution, you're trying to talk, talk to me about god. This directly affects our ability to witness to people. I, I mean, I was a, I, I grew up as an atheist. So People want to talk to me about God. I'm like, I already know how I got yes. here through millions of years of evolution. And the Christians who add evolution into
0: the Bible have the same problem. We mentioned that quote by uh, Richard Attenborough of, of the several that we just mentioned. And he talks about, uh, well, why did God create this worm that can only live in an eyeball and will eventually make the child blind and so on? Why did God create that? And then
1: how can we talk about a living? About a loving God, right, which really is interesting because this is actually a theological argument it is right. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's not a scientific argument it's, a, it's an argument from well, why would God do this or that? and it's, it's interesting because it's his perception about what God is like right, and, and yeah. you know he, he's very adamant that uh, you know no discussion of intelligent design or anything like that should be, should be allowed uh, because he says intelligent design isn't scientific, and yet his main objection because he's used this type of quote several times on several different shows yes. Is a theological argument, and he says um, the ID movement is not uh, scientific. But right. But the, the bottom line is Attenborough ignores the fall. Right.
0: The history. Uh, God did not create the world that we live in today, where there's That's parasites right. and sin and these types of things. He ignores the fall, as most critics do. Right. God created a
1: world that was very good, and sin messed it up. Right. As a matter of fact, this is one of the objections for a, a purely just intelligent design. Rebuttal to evolution it, because they ignore there. history yeah. too, and so yeah. you know you, you've got the same objection that this intelligent designer used bad things. Uh, right. So that's there's why other
0: I'm issues thinking. that uh, that we can just mention briefly. Our, our Attenborough sets up a straw man about God creating every single species that we see today. We don't believe that. Never right. have.
1: Yeah. Natural selection produces speciation. That's uh, well documented. I, I, his whole argument's wrong anyway. This worm that he's talking about, if you look into it, if it arrives in your eyeball, it dies. So he, he says, well, it's got no other way to live but to bore into something. No, that's, it's, it's, how, that's it, how it dies. That's how it dies. So it, it definitely wasn't uh, yeah. designed to do but, that. I mean, we get the point, anyways. Right, right. right? There's
0: there's bad things. How can we get? Uh, we we yeah. get the point. His
1: point is, if you know, why, why are things red in tooth and claw now? Yes, right. So um, so really, we need to look at the clear teachings of Scripture. Let's start there. Good place <laughs> to start, right? <laughs> so uh, we can look at some. Uh, uh, pertinent quotes from Genesis. Yeah, if we look at
0: Genesis, there it gives us a clue as to what the original very good creation was like. You see here Genesis one twenty nine and thirty, where in those two verses God tells both Adam and Eve, both people and animals, to eat plants. Right. There was no carnivorous activity. You didn't have,
1: you didn't have to be worried about animals ripping up you or your kids or or, or whatever or each other. Right. That type of thing. And that's why at the end of the creation in Genesis one thirty one, he could said say that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So by the end of um, uh, the creation, everything's very good. I mean, if you want to start arguing and adding millions of years in evolution to it, then you got to say cancer and ki- creatures ripping each other to pieces was very good. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense right. here. So um, you know, no eating of meat, all that kind of stuff. Now another thing we need to understand is the the Bible makes a clear distinction between types of creatures. So. Um, You know, some creatures he he ascribes a word called nephesh to them—animals, people—but not to plants.
0: Yes, living beings—that is is the most common translation into English.
1: Yeah, it it conveys this nephesh word conveys the idea of a breathing creature, and it's used widely in the Old Testament. Um, so perhaps it's actually referring to creatures even with a, a certain level of consciousness, and of course plants. You know, um, uh, Adam eating a, a carrot or a piece of celery—it's <laughs> yes. not going to be yeah, a and problem. They were
0: commanded eat plants,
1: right? right. So it obviously, it's not referring to
0: death of plants. Uh, it's, it's probably not referring to like things like insects, spiders, and and uh, and right. other things like that. Yeah, they wouldn't be in that nefesh kaya. Uh, um, they wouldn't have
1: that quality of life. Right. So, sometimes you'll even have people uh, make an objection. Well, what if Adam, are you saying there was no death? What if Adam stepped on an ant? Right. Well, it might, not yeah. anyway. it might not have been a problem anyway. might not have been a netfish
0: creature. Yeah. Also, the Bible says the world will one day be restored to a state uh, in wh- which would be restored to what it was like before, the new heavens and new earth. Right. And in Isaiah you find passages like in Isaiah eleven, six to nine that refer to the millennial kingdom and, and the world that's to come where their lion will lie down with a lamb and so on. In Isaiah sixty five, twenty five and twenty six, it says it says, the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like an ox, and dust will be a serpent's food, and so on. And so and and, and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that the world is going to be restored to what it was like before. Right. Animal behavior is going to change in the future to reflect what it was in the past. That's right. The, 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 the curse will be
1: lifted. Yes. Right? It won't be there anymore. That so the skeptics don't take into account when they're right. blaming God for all this bad stuff. Exactly. So, the, the takeaway point is that it can be safely said that before the fall there was no death no carnivorous activity no worms boring through people's eyes none of that right that yes. was all the result of sin after uh, the fall
0: okay we're talking about living in a world where there's bad things all around us and how come could uh, how do we understand God creating a world that has that in it right of course we mentioned that 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 wasn't the state of the original creation and yet today we live with animals that have these defense and attack structures right that that in some cases there's brilliant engineering in some of these things. They're very, very good at detecting and capturing and killing and hunting other animals. That's right. Th- these, these things would not have been useful before the fall, so how do we explain as Christians how
1: those things came about? Exactly. Now there's no single position that be, would be agreed upon you know, perhaps by all there's creatures. There's a number of yes. them. Yeah. There's a number of them, and it, some of them might even work together, but anyway, we're gonna go through some of the positions. Position number one would be that these defense attack structures were not designed for the purpose that they use now, and they maybe had a different function pre-fall. So maybe through degeneration, things like mutations and stuff, basically creatures are using equipment that they had for different purposes in in a different way now. Right? Right. Yeah. So uh, there's of course some different examples there. Yeah, a fruit bat, for example,
0: um, has sharp teeth and, and uh, maybe it used, it, I mean today, it eats fruit. <laughs> yeah. uh, fruit bat obviously ate, right. e- eats fruit, but there you have an, an, an animal with sharp teeth. It's typically thought that well if an animal has sharp teeth, well it must eat meat. Right.
1: Here's an animal with sharp teeth that doesn't eat meat, it eats fruit. That's right. Things like piranha. I mean, if you think of a piranha fish, of course, there's all sorts yeah. of monster movies and stuff like that made to vicious meat eaters. But actually, there's um, a relative of the piranha, the paku fish, and uh, it eats plants. And they can actually interbreed, so they're they're part of the same kind, same biblical kind, right? Yeah, yeah. But you've got one one creature doing something not very nice, and one creature. Uh, Right, so yep. maybe maybe just so it's, through it's degeneration. using the same
0: features differently, exactly different, that we can understand how they may have used those before the fall. Right, um, things like the giant the, panda and and other bears. Yeah, panda is a good example. Yeah, yep. and he's got and, sharp teeth and claws. And yeah, they bamboo right uh, primarily plants again, and so we can envision that that maybe that's what bears ate well, before actually, the before the
1: uh, the fall. Yeah, the giant panda has actually been observed eating small animals. So imagine a scenario where, um, let's say we came across pandas and they were just eating animals. Would we ever imagine that at one time they were eating bamboo?
0: Hmm. You wouldn't, yeah. you,
1: right? And, and so you know maybe animals are doing things at different times, uh, and we're observing them at, at certain times and go, oh, that that creature does this, and then we go, oh no, actually they do other things as well. So people right. need to take there that are these account. possibilities to yeah, consider. Yeah. Yeah. Um we've got uh, of course we had it in Creation magazine the lion that wouldn't eat meat yes. little pike that was uh, in a in creation magazine a very interesting story of an animal uh, a lion that of course is known for being this this killer absolutely refused to eat any type of of meat you know still grew up healthy lion and so on that's right yeah. Um, we've also got the case of the vampire finch. I mean, the, you know, the, these, these finches that normally eat nuts now they've been observed to actually uh, come along yeah. and actually suck the blood out of these these uh, these birds disgusting. called the masked booby, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, viruses. We could think about
0: viruses today. Vi- viruses often uh, kill a whole bunch of things, but maybe they had a different function pre-flood, uh, uh, pre-fall rather, right. in transporting genetic information in a way that would be useful. Right. So there's there's o- there's other things that we can conceive of for
1: viruses doing in a very good world. Right. Um, mosquitoes, this is a very common one you'll hear people say, right, well why did Noah take the mosquitoes <laughs> on board the ark? Of course he wouldn't have had to take them on the ark, they could have survived on floating log mats or just insect eggs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean this, this makes sense to people because they're looking at, look, a mosquito is just an annoying little thing. All it does <laughs> is suck your blood and why yeah. would God have created something like that, right? But it's interesting because um, it's the female mosquito. Actually, that sucks sucks blood. The male doesn't do that. They'll, they'll both suck sap and stuff like that out of plants. You know, you see a leaf and it's got kind of those veins, they'll use their proboscis and, and take that out. The female's actually looking for hemoglobin, which it, she needs that to lay her eggs. So uh, some plants actually have hemoglobin in them, and maybe in the in the you know, maybe post-flood, uh, maybe there were, there were more plants with more hemoglobin. They could have right. got what they needed out of there. But today She's looking at uh, you as a, as a soft target, she needs to lay her eggs, she sucks your blood rather than sucking from uh, sap. So re- really, position number one is just saying they used things in yeah, a different, different way. different structures. There's one,
0: one way of thinking about uh, things that we see today that are used for defense and attack, uh, how they may have been used differently in a, pre-f- a pre-fall world.
1: Right. So most, or if not all, of the examples that creationists give for design in living things, uh, usually uh, have some form of these defense attack structures. These bad right. things, you know. Um, you think of um, okay, well, these creatures are now using their their equipment in different ways. Well, what really was the use of the cheetah's blinding speed, or for example, the bombardier beetle? Right, we we like to mention that one. There's this beetle. It's got these twin cannons, and it's so sophisticated. You'd have to have all that present at the same time. But then it's kind of like, oh yeah, but it's a cannon, and it's used to hurt its enemies, so what could it possibly have been using that for? And then if you say, "Well, if, if chance mutations might have changed that over time to make it used for something, we're seriously undermining our own position here yes, as creationists. Yes, if those things can evolve
0: over time through, uh,
1: through yeah, no and creation. Even if you can, can think of a, of a reason why a creature would have had a cannon before it needed it, um, you've still got to explain w- what about the programmed instincts to then fire at at some creature. When did that stuff arise? Right. right? So okay. So
0: position one has limitations. We right. can't we can't use that position that we just described uh, to explain all the defense and attack structures. We've got four position four different positions here. Position yep. two. Let's summarize that one. It essentially looks at complex design, and and says there was. None of the animals that have those defense and attack structures that we see today existed in the very good creation. Right. They, were, they were created at some point after that. That one doesn't really work. One of the reasons it doesn't work is because Exodus 20 verse 11 says, For in six days God created the earth, the heavens and the earth, and Everything was created: the, the, the heavens, the earth, the seas. Everything was created in six days. That's, That's right. what 20, Exodus 20 verse 11 is saying. This is one
1: of the staunch biblical creationists. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the verses that the we the use. The entire universe being created in six days. And so now so you're that saying seem to real, rule out anything being created after creation week. So that one kind of
1: yeah doesn't not, work. That's not, a
0: position, but it doesn't not really not work biblically.
1: Position number three is that the design information for defense and attack structures. Was present before the fall, uh, per- perhaps in some kind of masked form. It wasn't, you know, yet yet expressed or whatever. Um, of course, this, this refers to the fact too that God foreknew the fall. Of course, yes. God God knowing everything, He knew what was going to happen, and so in a sin cursed world, uh, creatures would need things like that just to survive, right? Um, and so uh, this this reflects basically His omniscience, right? The, yeah, the, the information
0: that, was there, but yeah. it was just not expressed. It's, it's like a, a skin cell. You can take one of your skin cells. All the information to build you is in is in all of your cells. Right. But in the skin cell, only the part that codes to build skin is
1: turned on, everything else is, right. is So masked. there might have been some stuff that just wasn't there, God knowing that the creatures would need it later on, you know, that happened at the time of the fall.
0: So there's a possibility, number yep. three. Number four, here's one more possibility, that uh, no new creatures were created but many existing ones were redesigned. Right. There was a redesign, so there was animals that uh, God created to live in a very good world before the fall, Right. And then we were redesigned at the time of the curse when God pronounced the curse on creation because of Adam's sins.
1: Right. That's another position. And of course, uh, people have come to that position because we look at passages where, okay, well, now there's going to be an in, in, increase, let's say, in the pain in, in a woman giving giving right. birth. There are thorns now, right? There were no thorns before. Now there are thorns after the curse. So this is one of the reasons why this position has been presented because of, of passages like that that, that that seem to support that kind of. Uh, that kind of change so really there are many ways we can we can answer this you know biologically, scientifically, whatever you want to talk about and and looking at the history of of what uh, what God's word says, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, and no no single position is going to is going to be able to answer every one of the things that we observe in living things today, the defense right. and attack structures. Yeah. Uh, but but if if we kind of mash all these positions together, a couple of them don't really work out. It's, it's sort of position one and three that we have in the list there that yeah that seem to make the most sense and don't
1: violate any any biblical text. Right. And so we can sum it up just saying, okay, yes. well, position one, uh, there's a different use of these defense attack structures pre-fall. So they used to be used one way, now they're used another way, right. that's why they appear bad. Um, new creatures created with defense attack structures, as we mentioned, doesn't, it doesn't really, really work, work Because you've got God running. creating everything in six days. Yeah. Number three, God activated pre-existing genetic information. It was already there uh, because God pre-knowing the fall designed it that way so it could be used when it was needed and then number 4 god created new genetic information which is kind of a redesign at the time of the fall so there's an answers to where those bad things came from that's right so
0: clearly changes have occurred in animals uh, there was at one point a very good world where the defense and attack structures that we we do observe in animals today would not have been a part of the orig- of the very good world, and we just discovered we just discussed uh, various different ways that we could understand for how those things
1: came to be. Right. You know, you think about a future restoration. You've got, yes. Uh, if you're going to get meat eating lines to become grass eating lines, which is what the scripture says is going to happen. That's right. Then you'd have to have some kind of supernatural rearranging of, of you know. DNA it's kind information. of a subtraction of information in that case, or, or yes, be? yeah, or a subtraction yeah. um, to to get it to a restoration to the way it was in the beginning. So um, we we know that, that there is going to be some kind of supernatural uh, movement by God at that time. So uh, right. yes, yeah, we can scripture doesn't doesn't.
0: It, it doesn't. I guess what we can say is Scripture doesn't supply us with enough information that we can say dogmatically, this is the way that defense and attack structures right. came about, but we certainly
1: have some possibilities to, to think about. And also the future restoration, as you just mentioned. Exactly. And they're biblical answers. So instead of just adopting, oh, we're just going to adopt evolution in the millions of years, it's right. like, no, no, let's look at the Scripture to come up with answers rather than just adopt that. You know, as fallen creatures in, in, in a in a fallen world, we've got a, a difficult time sometimes, you know, sure. sorting through yep. these things and yep. understanding them. But we just need to trust God and, and trust God's Word so that we understand that in the beginning there was no death and suffering, in the future there will be no death and suffering, and that those things that are bad here right now are the result of, of, of the curse. Yeah, and I mean answering
0: these questions, it really stems from a high view of God, a high view of Scripture, and a sober look at science. Right. You look at what's been observed out there, look at animals, look at the, the research that's been done, and with a biblical perspective, you come up with answers to the questions that we need to answer. Right. Um, so there are answers to Attenborough's challenge about how can a loving God produce these things. But let's look deeper. He's got an interesting theology or interesting way of looking at death in general. Right. He said this, uh, again in, in this interview, uh, Andrew Denton said, how should we deal with death? And Attenborough responds, confront it. Uh, as you have got older, has your attitude toward death changed at all? And he says, oh yes, I think about death every day. I think mainly of the problems I'm leaving for others. And of the cliché, which we all wish, when, uh, when it comes, make it quick. And he says, uh, the interviewer says, um, uh, do you have a sense of the afterlife? And he says, no. Does that worry you? No. I'd be more worried if I thought there was someone up there with a profit and loss account in terms of moral behavior, but I see no evidence of that. Hmm. That's an incredibly a, revealing statement, right? You've got a distorted view of uh, of the afterlife. I mean, the, I mean, the only way we're going to know uh, with certainty what happens after we die if, if, is, is if there's someone that's been there and back again. Right. Sorry, Hobbit quote. But, uh, <laughs> uh, of course. If, if you don't go with Scripture, you don't know what happens after, I mean you can only guess at what happens after but, but, death.
1: But this is very interesting. He says, no, he would be worried if he thought there was someone up there keeping some kind of track of, of moral behavior. Yes. So he has this sense, you know, it, it's very interesting, people will say they're atheists but they're not. He knows there's a God. He knows, he, he knows well, if somebody was keeping track of my moral behavior, I'd be worried. But I don't see any evidence of that because he's accepted millions of years in yes. evolution. That's the way yes. we got here. We don't have to worry about somebody being up there. But you know, Romans 1.20 says that everyone knows there's a God. Everybody knows. Attenborough knows there's a God. You know, Richard, if you're watching this, you need to accept the fact that there is a God and you will be held accountable for your moral behavior. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Today's episode was originally formatted
0: for broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.